Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on sent you. Now, speaking of reliably low prices, Frank, uh, (laughs) the butt, the the, butt. The Bucks ownership group are out on the free agent market looking looking for some reliably low prices because I tell you what, this this free agency, this opening day of free agency has taken a twist that I don't think that we anticipated. So we'll dive straight into this and you know, obviously the controversial topic, which is PJ Tucker right now. So the Bucks essentially signed Bobby Portis to a, a two-year nine million dollar deal which we can get into that obviously that's a underpay bobby porters clearly could have got more money on the market it does leave open the availability to use the taxpayer mid-level but the deal that everyone is talking about the deal that is blowing up twitter right now is the fact that pj tucker has signed a two-year 15 million dollar deal in miami you went through all the scenarios of why it the, the Bucks could go over the cap to pay P.J. Tucker, why it made sense to extend P.J. Tucker. All the intel that had been put out into the universe was that the Bucks were going to re-sign P.J. Tucker. And here we are in a situation right now where if you are to believe an Instagram post from P.J. Tucker, we are sitting in a situation where it appears that the Bucks may have just said, eh, we're not going to pay you. We, we don't want that tax bill. We don't want P.J. Tucker back. Not only have they lost a key part of the championship team, they've also lost what potentially could be a key salary slot that they're not able to get back. It's a baffling decision, and I wouldn't have thought that it would be too hard for an organization to keep the fan base happy for at least two weeks after winning a championship. But, geez, they've set off uh, people here this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was truly kind of, you know, best of times, worst of times, um, over the course of about two hours during free agency today, the news comes that Bobby Portis is signing for, um, you know, basically using his non, the non-bird exception to resign, meaning the Bucks could offer him 120% of what he made last year, which was 3.6 million. So about 4.3 million and change. Um, per, of course, as thing as we talked about, you offer him a one plus one at that number, which you fully expect him to opt out of next summer when he could sign for 105% of the average salary. So essentially this tees up with Bobby, the possibility of, okay, wink, wink, you know, Bobby come back for one year and then we'll take care of you next summer with a deal, you know, starting probably somewhere in the neighborhood of $10 million a year for, you know, multiple years. Um, you know, which again, uh, are you going to want Bobby Portis when he's, you know, a few years from now making $10 million a year? Eh, I don't know. Um, that's a, kind of a different world you're living in at that point. The good news is he's 26. He's on the young side. Um, and 
you know, he was a guy that obviously helped a lot during the regular season and then eventually found his way in the postseason. So I think, you know, everybody in Bucks Twitterland was thrilled. Bucks Nation was thrilled at the idea of Bobby Portis running it back. Um, you know, Bobby was never going to have to pay for a meal again in Milwaukee regardless. Um, but the fact that he comes back on a non-bird exception, which was less than what they could have paid him, they could have offered him the full taxpayer mid-level, which again would have precluded them from using it on anyone else. Um, but they could have offered him more money. And Bobby Portis took less. I mean, you know, he really did not, not just coming back to Milwaukee, but coming back at the number that he came back on, he took less to give the Bucks more flexibility. And at that point, obviously, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, man, they're going to have their tax for mid-level. And there's been all this talk all week that they're going to bring back PJ Tucker for a deal starting at 10 million, which to be honest, I was surprised that, you know, I was thinking probably something like 8 million, 9 million, you know, over two years. Um, but the talk had been all week. Oh yeah. You know, they're, they're looking at something around $10 million starting salary, maybe two years, 20 million. And so that was like the other shoe we assumed would drop tonight would be, okay, Bucks bring back Bobby. Who knows what they do with the taxpayer mid-level? You know, maybe they just sit on it for a while. Maybe they save them more for buyout season, whatever. Again, given how big of a tax impact it would have to spend that on top of bringing back PJ and Bobby. But instead, we get this news that not only is PJ leaving, but he's not leaving for a bigger number than what he was supposedly going to get from the Bucks. He's leaving for two years, 15 million and a player option from the heat. And of course the irony for cap nerds is John horse being beaten to a free agent by another team offering a one plus one, which has been sort of the deal that the bucks have given literally everyone, Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, um, you know, uh, Pat Connison got a two plus one, uh, Wes Matthews got a one plus one player option a couple years ago. You know, that's been a very common tactic when the bucks have gotten, veterans for good prices is they offer them a second year player option, you know, in case shit hits the fan, the guy can take that second year. Um, but likely he's opting out and, and going for bigger money. So, so yeah, it was definitely a, a big surprise because, you know, the bucks could have signaled all week that they were not really necessarily uh, willing to pay PJ Tucker given the impact on their tax bill, all that, but that's not what we heard. And, you know, you certainly look at it and you're just like, man, did they, did they decide that because they got Bobby on the cheap deal, because Bobby basically took less money, that now while well, we got the tax credit mid-level, eh, ooh, paying PJ nine, 10 million bucks, oof, that suddenly feels a little rich. So now we're going to duck that. And again, you know, you can, you can argue that PJ is, he's 36, his best days are behind him. He's certainly not, you know, going to be a very useful regular season player probably. Um, and we saw that this year, he you know, obviously didn't play that much for the Bucks after the trade in the regular season, but you know, they weren't, good, they weren't good with him in the regular season, but he obviously took it up to a much different level in the playoffs. And unlike Bobby Portis, you know, he played every round. He was a key guy every round, especially after Dante went out with the injury. And so, so yeah, I mean, it feels like Bucks fans went from, oh my God, we have this great opportunity where we get Bobby back on this uh, team friendly deal. We have the ability to bring back PJ with bird rights, you know, money that we can't spend on anyone else. And we're going to have this tax pyramid mid-level, which we could use for who knows what, right? Bring in a, a guard, something like that. Um, and instead, you end up, you obviously, people should still be really happy about getting Bobby back on his number. But suddenly you don't have PJ. And so to replace him, you know, now you've got basically 
still that tax for mid-level and minimum contracts. And that's all you really have to work with. So again, you know, you just want a championship. This guy was critical to unlocking your switching defense, which especially in the finals was really important to winning an NBA championship. Um, and you basically said, apparently, right, based on kind of the, the circumstantial evidence that something changed and, you know, they were no longer willing to, to, to offer as much money. Because P.J. Tucker certainly didn't seem like a guy that was just going because, you know, he wanted a warmer climate for his Ferraris and Porsches. Seemed like from his Instagram, unless he's just playing on people's emotions, that, that he expected to be back and something changed. And, you know, he went to, he's going to Miami as sort of a second option. So, so yeah, it, it stinks. And, you know, it's just a reminder that as much as owners and GMs talk about doing everything they can to win a championship, there is always a limit, apparently, that, you know, teams will go to. And we saw with Brogdon a couple of years ago, the quote-unquote luxury of bringing back Malcolm Brogdon. And it certainly seems like, you know, we're running that into that again, where P.J. Tucker was deemed a luxury, even though he just literally helped the team win an NBA championship. So, so yeah, I'd say ownership's ride uh, in the good graces of Bucks fans was surprisingly short. Um, and, and, again, it puts a lot of pressure on John Horse and company to go use that taxpayer mid-level and, and a minimum or two to, uh, to round out the roster. Cause uh, certainly PJ is a big loss, especially when you think about that playoff rotation. It's rockauto.com time. Now, Frank, the uh, sponsors of this podcast, they've been with us for a long time. Now with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer And then they're only able to choose the brands and specifications their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers and you also have access to rockauto.com at home and right in your pocket. So why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now. You can see all the parts available for your car or truck on the very easy-to-use catalog there. Just write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box today. Now, we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Signing. We have a signing being reported by Woj. <laughs> and it's uh, it's good timing that you finished talking about PJ Tucker Frank. Sammy Ojale, who would have thought? Not even a guy. Giannis that, Stopper. Not even a guy that was even close to on my radar. I had him about 371st on my list of free agents. Sammy Ojale. So we'll wait and see here, uh, Frank. There's no. Uh, there's no info here yet. I, I certainly hope that it's on a minimum and it's not using that that uh, MLE that you were just talking about. But, um, you know, a, a guy that obviously has similar size to PJ Tucker. Let's not say that he's PJ Tucker. He is a decade younger. Um, but we'll wait and see what happens there as, as the info comes out. But certainly, again, not a guy that I had on my radar. So we'll see if any more info comes through as we are doing this pod. I think it's interesting that you bring up um, John Horst there because I, I do think that the messaging coming into this situation with PJ Tucker has been really really interesting because as you pointed to I mean we were led to believe just following the reading the tea leaves that PJ Tucker would return and I must admit when it, it was first reported that he was going to Miami I was sort of thinking about it and I said well there's a number of 
reasons why this might be the case. And I certainly did at least acknowledge in my head that uh, maybe PJ Tucker didn't want to come back to Milwaukee, which I, I think you know, it wouldn't have been outrageous to, to think so. There was a story, and I know Eric said in our DM, it might have been his story. So I, I, I'm going to give Eric the credit because if it was a good buck story, it was probably him. But there was those quotes before the playoff started where PJ Tucker, let's just say, was, was absolutely not committal to Milwaukee, which is fine. He never said that he was going to come back. And he said he was going to enjoy free agency. He was going to enjoy that freedom that he had and choice. So I, I thought there was at least a, a chance that he just said, eh, I'm going to go in Miami. It suits me. You know, I, I saw someone on Twitter comment that, you know, all the salt on the footpaths in Milwaukee can't be good for the shoe collection for PJ Tucker. So I thought that that was at least, at least an option, you know, that that might've been the case. Now this Instagram post suggests that no, he would have been more than happy to come back and play with Giannis and play with all these guys that, that just won a championship. But I think that it's fair to assume here, and I don't know whether you agree that, there must be some sort of disconnect here with ownership and John Horst because I, I can't bring myself to believe that John Horst literally 24 to 48 hours ago would have said, well, one of the main attractions of trading for PJ Tucker was uh, having his bird rights and then just going, eh, nah, nah, don't worry about it, dude. Go to, a, go to another contender in the East. That doesn't really make sense to me. And if it is purely a dollar amount, then again, we've spoke about the tax implications and it does seem like the owners have just been cheap. Again, we don't have all the details there. I also think, and I, I wonder whether the Bucks figured out earlier on in the day or earlier on in the night that they weren't going to sign PJ and that was part of some you know, agreement with Bobby Portis. Look, if you take this, we still need the MLE. You know that you're going to be in the rotation because we're, we're losing PJ Tucker. This is the situation. We want a guard or whoever it may be with the MLE. This would be good for the franchise. And Bobby Portis maybe has done them another favor, which by the way, there's no reason for Bobby Portis to be doing favors to the Bucks, if you ask me. I mean, he played for, obviously, he played above his value last season and now he's coming back again for unders this season to to be back in Milwaukee. And as you pointed to, I mean, I think you'll be saving some money around the city. There's no doubt about that. But still, I mean, I think they're, they're very fortunate to, to have Bobby Portis come back, particularly with the way this has played out, if it wasn't part of a big plan. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, this is where, you know, when you're above the tax and every dollar you spend has, you know, a multiplier effect on what you're going to have to pay in terms of the tax, this is where you know, any GM is going to have, see their role and their ability to do what they want probably decrease. I mean, that's, that's the reality. I mean, you know, but before we kind of get back into it, like here, here's just a baseline kind of way, way to think about it. Um, you know, I was kind of looking at it, right? Like once you sign Portis for his number, you're looking at a, um, a, a, a tax level, basically a tax payment um, on top of all your salaries of about, it was about 21 million. When you throw the taxpayer mid, if you if you use the full taxpayer mid level, that five point nine million dollars, that takes your total number up to about thirty eight, right? And this is all on the margin, so it's like you know, holistically, it's it, it's on the one hand, it's like you know, it's a little unfair to think of it that way. But in terms of like you know, you already have most of your roster set. You already are basically at the tax with you know just your core six guys plus dead dead money. Um, if you then add PJ at like say nine million dollars on top of um, on top of the tax for mid level and Bobby and the other guys you have, I'm assuming Thanasis coming was coming back, then you're at like seventy four million in tax payments. So you know I think that's the problem is if your ownership, you get caught up in viewing basically this stuff on the margin and say, well, 
I can pay PJ and then, but really, you know, I can pay him 9 million, but really it's going to cost me 45 million because of the massive incremental hit on my tax bill. Right. And, and that's, that's not inaccurate. And I think that's what ultimately is re- is a reason why, you know, most teams, we've seen like the Warriors, we've seen the Nets, um, among others. I mean, Oklahoma City randomly had a huge tax bill, I think a $60 million tax bill a few years ago. You know, we, we see teams occasionally go massively into tax and have these massive tax bills. But, you know, again, the, the Bucks are not unique in being unwilling to pay massive amounts of tax. But I don't think I don't think the fact that it's sort of a universally held like owners not willing to pay for their teams to be as you know as competitive as possible. I don't think that's really a good excuse either, especially when you're coming off a championship. You have Giannis at 26 in his prime. You have limited flexibility to really add around the margins, and your window is now. I mean, you know, looking at some of the ages of the guys in the roster, now is the time, right? And there's no guarantee that like PJ Tucker would have been, you know as good in the playoffs next year as he was this year at some point, you know, it's going to flip on him and he's, you know, his offensive limitations and his defensive quickness, like at some point it's going to go and you're, he's going to be a net negative. I obviously don't think that was this year, you know, and I would have rolled the dice, especially given the fact that he's also a a tradable salary at that point. But, um, but, you know, again, the, the tax stuff looms large. It's the bucks are not unique in that regard. Um, but it's, it is kind of remarkable when you think about it, how it, it does seem like teams and ownership, they frequently fall into this, to this view of like, well, you know, they basically run it like the year to year business kind of, and it doesn't seem like the fact, I mean, the bucks valuation has gone up by what, well over a billion dollars in the last eight years. I'm sure it'll go up even more, you know, having won the championship and you know, all that, but, um, well, I don't yeah, know. It's, I mean, it, it's just sort of that's because people like you, Frank, were uh, flying across the country <laughs> and spending thousands of dollars on tickets. Yeah, I think they've done pretty well out of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, it still is kind of remarkable to me that like so many owners. I mean, and, and again, maybe you can say, well, they didn't get rich by throwing their money away, right? I mean, that's usually a common thing. Is like you know, rich rich guys got rich by being profit motivated, and even when they own sports teams, like they remain profit motivated and their appetites for losing money year to year is, is often limited. Shout out to Herb Cole for frequently <laughs> losing money on the bucks. Uh, so, and, and look, and obviously everybody's coming off of COVID, you know, the, the, these teams have been without fans in the stands for, for, you know, a year up until the playoffs. So teams were basically having to make up money. Although I think the buck, Peter Fagan even said the bucks basically were like a year ahead of where they expected to be due to that long playoff run and all the money they were able to make off it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think my, my, my thought first and foremost from today is, you know, fans should hold ownership accountable. And look, if you think PJ Tucker was going to stink next year and be useless. Okay. Then, then that's, that's sort of then becomes a different calculus, right? I don't think he was going to stink and be, <laughs> be useless, especially in the playoffs. He's kind of the ultimate like 16 game player who isn't probably isn't use particularly useful during the regular season at this point. Um, but, you know, I think I think it's important for fans to sort of hold ownership accountable. And, you know, everybody's thrilled, obviously, that, you know, at the end of the day, ownership was able to win a championship with this team after 50 years. Um, and, you know, again, we can kind of debate uh, how much credit goes to whom and all that. But, um, 
but you know, it's just, it, it is disappointing. Right. And I think you have to be careful. You can't be overly sentimental with this stuff. You can't just bring back everybody that was part of the championship team and just tr- keep trotting them out year after year after year when they're, they're washed and they're done. Um, but I think when you win a championship, I think your default should be, you know, the benefit should go to the guys that the guys that got you there. Right. And if you think PJ was kind of a question mark, hey, maybe he's not going to be the same guy next year. I don't know. I, I think the benefit of the doubt should go to the guy. And I think you'd feel much worse. You know, you'd feel way better about your team if you kind of run it back, which again, that was the phrase Bobby Portis used. So sorry, Bobby. Ownership seemingly does, wasn't as enthusiastic about running it back after they got you on a low salary number. Um, but I think you'd rather go down with the guys that you won with than, you know, trying to get a little cue with it, save some money and, you know, kind of try to beat, beat, kind of beat them around the margins. And, you know, look, Semi Ojale, it is, it is, of course, ironic and probably not coincidental that they signed Semi Ojale, given that he really is sort of like, like hobo PJ Tucker, basically, right? He can basically spot up and hit a three, does very little else offensively. Um, and he's, you know, built like a brick shit house and can kind of defend combo, you know, combo forwards. And, you know, he's at least modestly switchable, although, you know, again, um, it's such a fine line between, you know, a guy being pretty good defending like threes or fours and, you know, being a guy that you're going to put on, on Devin Booker or Chris Paul in the NBA finals, right? Like, and, and I'm not going to say that, that PJ was like the Bucks best option at all times for doing that. Clearly Drew Holiday was the better option for defending either of those guys. But the fact that you could put PJ out there and he could bring a level of physicality against Durant, against all these guys and, you know, wear them down and and make them work. And and look, nobody's saying that PJ shut down Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant scored a crap ton of points in that series. Um, But, you know, ultimately you didn't have to, you you didn't have to double team. And in the finals, the Bucks never double teamed any of those guys. Basically. I think I heard a stat that like, Devin Booker had like 50 isolations and the Bucks doubled him on like none of those or something like that. Um, that was just to keep and, him happy because they know how upset he gets. Oh yeah. He hates, that's right. That's yeah. right. If people don't remember Devin Booker once <laughs> got really mad because uh, he was getting double teamed in, in some summer pickup games. Um, so anyway, of, what's yes. Tony Snell up to? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Give him, give him a call. See what, <laughs> see what he's up to. I don't, I don't know if you can. It's like between Shemi Ojale and Tony Snell, like you're gonna need somebody who's like actually willing to shoot a basketball and not just stand in the corner at some point. But, yeah, yeah. um, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I'm not saying it's like it's, it's easy or cheap. Um, and you know, I, I threw out the numbers, right? Like you're talking about the Bucks roster cost going up from 130 some million to potentially 200 million next year. That's a ton of money. And, you know, can you actually be profitable as a business doing that? I don't know, but also don't care. <laughs> you know? like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, as, as a, as a, as a fan of the team, um, you know, if you're not willing to kind of really go all in right now, then, you know, you're, you're probably never going to be right. And, and again, that it's, unfortunately it's not unique to bucks, uh, bucks ownership. Um, but ownership is a competitive advantage. You know, just think about that. You know, that th- there are going to be points where all these teams are not willing to spend money. I mean, the Celtics have been a- trying to avoid going over the tax. You know, for the last year, that's been a discussion. <clears throat> a lot of teams always, you know, most pretty much every team, unless they're a title contender, is trying to stay under the tax generally. 
Um, so if you have an ownership group that is willing to pay the tax, and in this case, willing to pay well into the tax because you have a team that literally just won a title and you can keep it together and potentially win another one, that's, a, that's probably the biggest competitive advantage that, you know, from a, a roster construction standpoint, you can have with ownership. And obviously, you know, I, I guess the Bucks owners just aren't rich enough to, <laughs> to, to feel like they can, they can stomach spending an extra, you know, few ten, tens of millions of dollars on the margins. But, um, you know, it's, uh, I think as fans, it's, it's understandably tough to swallow. And um, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll see what happens with the rest of free agency here. Um, I think the Bucks have at least one more move to make. Um, I don't think we've seen uh, where Shemi's salary number is coming at. I mean, if it's not a minimum contract, I would, um, I would say that's not a good sign. Yeah. Um, because to me, he's a minimum guy, and you know, you should be keeping that that taxpayer mid level um, open for, you know, potentially now uh, maybe a guard. We can talk about some 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 potential options there, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things. I, I'm I'm curious. Uh, let's just say the first, if 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 ownership, you know, uh, they're presumably going to be out at the banner ceremony um, on opening night. I'm very curious to see what the reception is going to be. Um, if if people will kind of get over this, if there will be smatterings of booze, you know, um, it's it's interesting. But you know, never underestimate, uh, you know the power of rich people to, uh, to piss off fans, I guess <laughs> the net net of this. Cause obviously, uh, in general, Bucks fans feeling, feeling pretty, uh, pretty damn good about things overall. All right, Frank, it's time for a note from betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action over at bet online. I've been seeing, a lot of excitement from Brewers fans on the timeline. Of course, everyone knows we're heading for that Oakland-Milwaukee World Series. It's going to be a showdown on Locked On Bucks between me and Frank. But before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website. We'll use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. Now, I think you brought up a pretty good point. I mean, I, I always look at, at it through the lens that um, looking at what other teams done, look what other franchises done, looking at the history of this, I think I perhaps am a little bit more reserved in my expectations of how far the spending is going to go when you think about this year and next year and the multiplying as you sort of spoke to. But I think you're right. Just because I, I look at it in that lens, some people get really mad and say, well, that's defending. No, it's not defending it. It's just looking at what history tells us potentially which way this might go. And owners typically eventually become pretty cheap. And you can say, well, is it cheap if you're, <laughs> if you're still paying that tax bill? But you know, they get a lot of money. It's not for us to care about the, those millionaires there. None of us are millionaires here uh, doing this podcast or talking about this team. So it's not for us to worry about. So I think it's a good point you make. But as far as the rest of the I don't roster... Know. Wait, wait. Are, are, you, are you saying those Bilt Bar ad reads and, and, <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the lawnmower uh, manscaping reads that you're not, you're not pulling down seven figures? Well, is, that, is that what you're telling me? I thought I thought this was a much more lucrative business. So, I, man, I, I just misread this. Well, we're about to go into, I believe, year three 
of our partnership with Built Bar. And I believe at that point, uh, Built Bar is going to start charging locked on tax. So we'll see, we'll see where the Built Bar uh, stays on with the podcast. Either way, I'm always going to be a big fan. Much like PJ Tucker, even if the deal breaks with Built Bar, I'm still going to love them forever, as I will uh, PJ Tucker. So we'll see what happens there. As far as guards go, and you know, I know there was a lot of names flying around about the the forwards or the big man but look they've got they've got semi ojale so let, let's just say that if they are to make one more signing it's going to be a guard you know which direction i'm heading with patty mills which by the way I, I don't think that the bucks would be able to get him although the reports suggest that he's not going to be taking a big dollar amount particularly if he goes to the lakers or brooklyn and i'll say this as an australian it is impossible impossible to say anything bad about Patty Mills or to have any negative thoughts about Patty Mills. So I am just devastated at the thought of him going to the Lakers or Nets because I'm actually going to have to hope that he doesn't have success. I think it would be a very anti-Patty Mills move. I would be gutted if he goes to either one of those teams. But who else stands out to you from a guard perspective here? If, you, if you've got some names, you would, you would rattle off here because I think it's fair to say the Bucks still do need ball handling. I think that's the one need they, they do have mm-hmm. looking at the roster. Yeah, I mean, I think if I look at guards, and I'm I'm actually using um, uh, Dunked On. I, I don't know if anybody else subscribes to, to Dunked On, but they have free agent ranking spreadsheets that are very convenient. So um, so Nate and and Danny are helping me out with with some of this. But um, yeah, I think Patty Mills was as far as like the kind of true point guards. Patty Mills was was maybe a guy that that jumped out. It you know, assuming Ojale is getting the minimum, knock on wood, and if they're paying him, right. you know, a chunk of the middle of the tax for a mid-level that's that's dumb um but, but patty mills probably the most obvious guy um out of the uh point guard crop um i think if we're looking at um some of the other kind of guards um you know i don't i don't know that that there's necessarily like like if i'm talking about shooting guards like malik monk is a guy that we were talking about in, in our dm a fair bit you know he's an interesting guy he's still only 23 years old um shot the ball much better finally sort of started to look like that microwave score type um in charlotte last year uh but again i mean he's a pretty one-dimensional player it's not like he's gonna run point for you so uh, you know i think part of my interest in malik monk is still just you know is that you hope that you're still sort of betting on upside a little bit and pedigree a little bit um and obviously the bucks don't have a lot of young kind of talent <laughs> on the roster so uh i think he might still be younger than would he be the youngest guy on the team at this point, I, I think I, I don't know. I, um, Mamu might be be slightly yeah. younger than than uh, than him, but but, yeah. but but Nora Moore is probably right, right around twenty two, twenty three in that same age range. I don't know off the top of my head, but um, Giannis is still eighteen you know, think, in my head, Frank. He's always yeah, going to be eighteen years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think as far as guards go, I mean, uh, I don't know. Lang, you know, it's funny. Langston Galloway, um, mm-hmm. I think, is solid, but didn't play at all in the finals for the Suns. He's twenty nine. Um, and I'm, a lot of times I'm, I'm really trying to find like our guys that, you know, like, are like at least credible defenders aren't just guys that would just be like, sure. get torched Im- immediately. Um, each one more had some moments for the Suns actually early in the playoffs and then he didn't play either at all in the finals, which is kind of interesting. Um, I assume Josh Hart, we haven't heard anything about Josh Hart. I assume he's going to get, I, I, I can't imagine a taxpayer mid-level contract is going to not be matched by a, uh, by the Pelicans, so I, I don't know that that's a real, a real obvious um, kind of move for them. I, I think get Kent Bazemore would have been interesting. He's a guy that the Bucks actually uh, almost signed for seventy million dollars five years ago or whenever the heck that was, and you know previously played with Bud in Atlanta. Um, 
and then I think, you know, then you start to, to get more into, um, you know, kind of like wing type guys that probably become less appealing, um, with, uh, with the Ojale move. Cause again, you don't have like tons of, tons of like roster spots here to work with. And I like, I think Otto Porter, I'm, I'm very curious what happens with Otto Porter, mm-hmm. you know, Porter, um, as sort of a combo forward would have been very interesting. Um, obviously a much better offensive player than someone like PJ, but a very interesting piece um, in terms of versatility again, but you know, again, injuries are, are kind of a huge kind of question mark with, with Otto. Um, you know, and then there's a lot of just kind of guys that you're kind of not sure of how much they have left. I mean, Wes Matthews is theoretically a, a free agent, Tony Snell, old friends, Wes Matthews and Tony Snell. I don't really foresee a Wes Matthews re- reunion in <laughs> much Milwaukee. Like Chill, right? um, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, James Ennis, I, I, I just remember James Ennis giving Chris Milton a hell of a time in the bubble <laughs> in that first round series. He was super annoying and actually made some shots in that series. If I remember correctly, um, he's not a full tax pyramid level guy. He's more of a minimum type guy to me, at least. Um, I think maybe the most intriguing kind of combo forward guy, which again, probably is, I would guess is out of play with the Ojale news, probably just cause you just don't have that many roster spots that you're probably working with. But I thought Justice Winslow is, you know, he's another guy who's just been hurt so much, um, but has ball handling ability and really good size. Shooting has been the, the big problem with him, which obviously is not, you know, the Bucks have not generally um, <laughs> shown a lot of interest in guys that, that are questionable shooters. Um, but, you know, there, there's definitely some interesting guys that, that are out there that, that you could look at as, as potential options. And I think just to sort of, um, just to recap, just as far as like where the roster is, you know, again, with, Giannis, Chris, Drew, Brooke, Pat, Dante, now Bobby, that gives you seven, seven, you know, rotation guys on the roster. Again, Dante out for the start of the season. So, you know, you, you, you probably are going to need to bring somebody in at the guard spot just to give you some cover, unless you are just a huge believer in Sam Merrill or in, in Elijah Bryant. And obviously, as you know, I'm the biggest Elijah Bryant fan in the world, right, Kane? Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, the, there's definitely, you know, you've got this, you have seven rotation guys, then you have, you know, Wara, Merrill, Diakite, Bryant. Um, I think Wara is the only guy there that probably we would feel confident is, has a good chance of, of cracking the rotation. And then after that, um, you know, that gets, say that gives you eight rotation guys and, uh, and 11 dudes total. Then you've got, you've added Ojale, you know, he's kind of a, maybe, on the, on the rotation side, you know, I think, um, Thanasis, we assume obviously we'll be back. You got, uh, Mamu, um, and I'm not even going to like assume Yorgios, uh, uh, is going to be on the roster. So I'm not even going to consume and not even going to assume he's part of it. But, um, but I, I think the way the roster sort of shaking out, I think it does seem like if you assume Sandro obviously makes a roster and Yorgios doesn't, it, that, that would leave you with 15 guys if you also signed a, somebody to the tax pyramid level, like maybe a guard. Um, and if for reasons that I've mentioned, just do the tax and how much even a, even a, um, a uh, minimum contract costs on the margins, um, I think they're going to carry 14 guys in the regular season. So I think that means one of the non-guaranteed second-year guys is probably going to go. Uh, perhaps my, my dear, dear Elijah Bryant. <laughs> the most obvious guy that might get cut loose but but yeah i mean you, you know you really don't barring other moves you really don't have a lot of um kind of moves left here um you know and you just use one of on ojale so i think uh for the most part i would say it, it's very possible that whatever they do with 
the remainder or all of that taxpayer mid-level, um, that could be the only other, possibly the only other move they make um, before camp. And, you know, I didn't mention Lou Williams. You heard Lou Williams mentioned as a possible target. Eh, I would not eh, be thrilled with Lou Williams at, out the, on that. at the full taxpayer <laughs> mid-level. Uh, I'd want somebody to be a, a little more credible defensively as much as I think he can still warm up and have some nights offensively, which we saw in the playoffs even. But um, I don't know. What, 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 are, what are you kind of saying? No, no, I, I think you, you summed it up pretty well. I mean, I think we're at the point of free agency where you know, most likely the guy you get, unless it is someone like the, the Mills, where I, I think for the most part would be overwhelmingly positive reviews from Bucks fans. I think that whoever you sign here, there's probably going to be mixed reaction. I, I mean, that's, that's kind of what you get to once you, you get through the initial rush of free agency. But I do think with the uncertainty uh, around Dante, another ball handler is, is the way to go. I, I don't... You know, the one thing I'll say about Semi Ojale is that very, very popular guy, a popular Celtic. I'll say that. I mean, the fans loved him. I know for a fact the reporters that, that are in Boston loved him. So, I mean, they're getting a good guy into the locker room. And uh, let's just say that his playing time has been uh, very, very inconsistent with that Boston team. Obviously, they had a bunch of guys that sort of played those positions. So, who knows? I mean, who knows what he will bring to the team um, again you you do from a fan point of view hope that it wasn't just simply oh we can get Ojale for for cheaper than PJ Tucker he's kind of like PJ Tucker light you hope that wasn't the thinking but as far as moving on to the next moves uh, I don't think it's it's one that you could be outraged about even if you're not uh, overwhelmingly excited about it and then we'll see what they do with the guard spot here I mean again it's kind of funny to only be a few hours into free agency and think well we might be done here boys but that's kind of the situation the Bucks are in. And, of course, one name that we didn't mention uh, is our old friend Bryn Forbes, who hasn't signed anywhere. So, you know, who knows? I mean, it, I, guess, I, guess it's, uh, I guess it's not totally out of, out of the realms of possibility. They just bring Bryn Forbes back. But uh, I think someone that could uh, do a little bit more uh, off the dribble in terms of creating, I think, would be uh, what I would be looking at here. But overall... Uh, you bring back Portis, you bring in Ojale, you lose Tucker. A bit of a roller coaster ride in day one of free agency. And uh, as is the nature of podcasting, Frank, as soon as we wrap this up here uh, in just a second, something will happen. Yeah, I mean, the shelf life of these podcasts during free agency are notoriously short. Um, Ojale played mostly as a four last year, has, has split his time more in previous years per cleaning the glass positional breakdowns between the three and the four. Um, not surprisingly, Celtics were two and a half points better defensively uh, with him on the floor, but four points per 100 possessions worse offensively. Um, net, it looks like they were eh, close to break even with him. Um, so, you know, again, not like a, a huge swing guy either way, as you would expect. Helps you off, helps you defensively, hurts you offensively. Um, you know, he's, uh, again, 26 years old. Uh, and three point, three point wise, um, you know, look at the shooting there. Uh, uh, sorry, let me, I just wanted to look up his corner three numbers as well. Cause, um, that's obviously a relevant, relevant data point. Um, 37% last year, 38% from three of the year before, obviously he's not a dynamic three point shooter. I mean, he's probably a little bit more, a little bit more of a dynamic offensive player than PJ. Um, not that that's saying a whole lot. Uh, career 38% from the corners. Uh, last year took about half his threes from the corners. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that he will play a very similar role offensively. 
to to PJ. And I think you know, um, given his his strength, I mean, you know, he's a guy who who should probably watch a lot of PJ Tucker tape, right? Because he's got pretty good feet for a a guy as strong as he is, um, and he's obviously you know physically talented in terms of just being a really strong guy. He's six seven. He's a little bit taller than PJ, but um, you know. That's the hard part, right? I mean, there's lots of guys who are, you know, strong and not that tall, but there's not a lot of dudes who are who turn into PJ Tucker. And, um, you know, I think that's the part that um, is pretty remarkable about just his his career arc, his durability, um, and you know, the fact that he had just over these last few years, starting really, in, especially in Houston, um, he really figured out a way to be just this extremely valuable playoff versatile defensive player and that was obviously really important for the bucks um to have a guy that that was very switchable because let's be honest you know so many of the guys the bucks you know we talk about the guys they added through the draft and you know the rookies last year uh the fact that those were not defensively oriented players um it made it really important that you picked up pj and what he was sort of able to unlock and obviously we'll see um we'll see what a guy like Ojale means, and we'll see if they can have much success, you know, with him playing, for instance, in lineups with Giannis at, at center. Um, but again, it's, it's just kind of hard because, you know, somebody can look a little bit like PJ, but even for PJ, like the margin of error between being, you know, good and a net negative is, is really thin. And, you know, you never know when that's going to flip. And, um, you know, again, maybe it was going to be next year, maybe PJ's um, years as being a good playoff player. Maybe they're behind him. But as we've been saying, a, a big part of the rationale for keeping him was not just the sentimentality of like run it back and the locker room presence and, you know, the, the experience and confidence that he brings you, but also uh, just the fact that he was a guy that let you do different things. And then contract wise, you know, that salary slot, you can't use it on someone else due to his bird rights. And, you know, just you have a little bit less flexibility now and optionality in terms of making trades down the road. So, so yeah, all eyes on what the Bucks do with the taxpayer mid-level. It looks like, I think I'm seeing some confirmation that it is, a, that Ojale was a minimum contract, which makes sense. So now obviously all eyes on, uh, on what the Bucks do with, with the remainder of the taxpayer mid-level. And again, um, I, I would think probably a, some some type of guard um, type type player would would be the obvious answer, but um, you know we'll see. Well, uh, speaking of transactions, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers made a few transactions in the last couple of days, and if you're betting on the MLB, it doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks. And Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, as you said, these podcasts don't last forever. So let's wrap it up. We'll come back tomorrow. We'll regroup. Maybe the Bucks have that signing that I think everyone's waiting for right now, Frank. I mean, if, if this deal is a minimum for Ojale, I feel pretty good about it. I don't think that's a bad signing at all. In fact, I think it's a pretty good one for, for a minimum deal for a guy that, you know, is going to fill a role there for sure. And uh, now we'll wait and see what they do uh, where we think is going to be at the guard position. But who knows? We probably shouldn't try and predict things anymore because generally um, you end up being wrong. But uh, I, I don't know if I would have predicted this day or we were having these conversations tonight, Frank, but uh, that's, that's the way it goes. But we'll see what happens 
over the next 24 hours. Come back, discuss it again, but let us know what you guys are thinking. I think I'm getting a fair sense for it just scrolling through my timeline as we do this podcast here. I would say that uh, there is some disgruntled Bucks fans out there, and I think that's for good reason. But uh, I think that no matter what you feel about PJ Tucker and what he could bring next year, still a little bit bizarre and a little bit confusing. And obviously, everyone's still pretty emotional about the championship. Like you said, the sentimentality is pretty high among Bucks fans. But uh, one day in the books, Frank, let's see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, and I, you know, I think Bucks fans, we know kind of, I think where most Bucks fans land on this, but I think the other thing too is like, I mean, you know, does Giannis care? <laughs> you know? Well, I will say this, Gian- Frank, I'll say this quickly because I did see a few people saying, well, this might piss off Giannis, which first of all is a very valid reason. But remember, I mean, with the same conversations we had around Brogdon and, oh man, you've pissed him off. There's no way he's staying now. He's not going to do that. The owners are cheap. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't jump to those conclusions personally. That's. Uh, it's, I, I think th- that's not the way that I'm looking at it. Anyway, I can understand why people do it, but you know, he. Well, has, you're not a Packers fan. You're not a Packers fan, Kane. So you don't. You don't have this paranoia that your best player is just going to get fed well, up. He's back. So what's your problem? On, on it was overblown. You're all being crying. He is for back. No he is back. He's back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, Giannis is is with us until at least he's 37 or whatever. Um, then then we should probably be pretty happy. But. Um, but yeah, and, and I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of those things, right? Like, I don't, I don't know that. I'm, I'm actually curious. I don't know that Giannis loved Brogdon. I don't, I don't yeah, know yeah. how Giannis I, feels about Tucker. You know, I mean, we we just don't really know. I mean, maybe well, maybe Giannis to play looks him now. At, well, yeah, maybe Giannis is just like, okay, PJ's gone. That means the Nassas can get more minutes. <laughs> more minutes <laughs> and Yorgos, you know? and Yorgos, Yorgos. Yeah. Is, they're actually going to give Yorgos the the taxpayer mid level, so that's going to be good for him. Yeah. So anyway. Um, never a dull moment uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, let's wrap it up. We'll come back tomorrow. For Frank and myself, uh, keep those notifications on for all those uh, NBA writers and uh, we'll see where we land tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys then.